Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Part four of the second letter of Peter. And today we want to talk about his coming is a light shining in a dark place. His coming is a light shining in a dark place. Now, now last time in chapter in, in, in part three, we had two testimonies of two young ladies, and we also uh, talked about uh, just three, four, I guess four verses. If we look at Second Peter and uh, chapter 1 and verse 12, 13, 14, and 15, those are the verses we went over. We said that uh, Peter was reminding the church of what he had already told them before, which they already knew which he said they were already established in, but he wanted to stir them up. And he also wanted them to know that uh, his earthly tabernacle was going to terminate uh, soon. And he wanted to re- them to re- be able to recall when he died. He wanted them to be able to recall everything that he said. So that's why he was, he, he was writing. Now this particular uh, our lesson in part four, we're going to cover uh, verse 16 through 21. And one thing I want to ask is that why do you believe that we talked so much and gave testimonies about chapter 1, verses 3 through 11? Why do you think that was so weighty in Peter's mind? Because, see, that, that's, what, that, that's what he spent a lot of time uh, talking about, and he's also... Um, kind of reinforcing it uh, in the rest of his, 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 uh, his epistle. And so we see here, and let's say in chapter 1, going back to verse 3, he says that um, uh, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness uh, through the knowledge of him who has called us to his glory and excellence, by his glory and excellence. Now, now the key thing here is that Everything that we have need of has been given to us. Everything. And so we don't have to wonder, well, um, I'm I'm, I'm lacking this right here. I I wish I had this. He has given us everything that to do with life and godliness. And then it says that uh, in in, in verse 4, that by these, by his glory and his excellence, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them we may become partakers of his divine nature. So this is, this is heavy-duty stuff that he was telling the church. He was encouraging them. And then he told them that he wanted them to uh, be about improving. In other words, don't think you have arrived. I, what I want you to do is I want you to add to your... Um, Faith, more excellence, into your more excellence, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, and all those things, brother love and, uh, and, and agape love. He wanted us to add to that. He says that if we're doing this, we're not going to be blind and short-sighted. And he says that, 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 that what we'll be doing is we'll be making our calling and our election certain. And he says that in verse 11, for in this way 
the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. So he's telling us that, that on that day, on that day, you don't have to be concerned about squeaking through. You're going to have the entrance open to you abundantly because you've been diligent in improving. So that's what he, he was telling the church. And so this is heavy-duty stuff. It's weighty stuff. So in chapter, chapter 1, verse 16, which we're going to talk about today, why, why was he telling the church that? Why was he telling the church this heavyweight stuff and, and encouraging them uh, you know, to, I want you to add to this thing. I want you to, I want you to really uh, uh, improve. I want you to know that you've been given everything that has to do with life and godliness. I want you to know that, that his divine, uh, you know, personal divine promises are given to you so you can be protected from the divine nature. He's telling us all these things. Look at verse 16. For we did not follow clever, cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And you say, well, how in the world does that fit in with what you told us in part three that, you know, he was, he was leaving. God has already made it, uh, uh, you know, apparent to him that he, he, was, he was leaving this uh, earthly tabernacle of his and that he was going to stir up and remind the people of all those things that uh, he told them in chapter 1. And then it says that, for we did not follow clever devised tales who had made known to you the power and come of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. How does that fit in? Well, I believe that number one is that what he said in verses 3 through 11 of chapter 1, what he said in verse 12 through 15 of chapter 1, that he's trying to let them know, I'm leaving. I'm going to stir you up. I'm going to remind you. When I leave, you'll be able to recall these things very apparently, readily. You don't have to worry about that. Because I want you to know that Jesus Christ is coming again. That's what he wants them to know. When it says that when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, he had already made known to them this. In other words, this was not a uh, sideline, just a passing, passing of the way doctrine of the coming of Jesus Christ. He wanted them to know that this is a, uh, it is a principle, it's a foundation doctrine. And so when he, when he uh, led these people to the Lord, when he started his church, when he uh, uh, was, was with them before, he says that, look, I want you to know that Jesus Christ is coming again. He is coming again. Now, now, I know it didn't say coming again. It says the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But this coming, uh, every time it's mentioned, this Greek word, it, it means coming again. It's the second coming. It's not when he first was 
uh, uh, born. It's not talking about that. It's a, he is coming again. The church needs to know this. Cornerstone needs to know this. Everybody that's a Christian needs to know Jesus Christ is coming again. He's coming again. Now, when is he coming? I do not know. No one knows. Jesus Christ doesn't even know. He said, oh, Jesus knows. And the word said that Jesus Christ doesn't know when he's coming again. The Father knows when he's coming again. He's the only one that knows. But when he does come, all eyes going to see him. You don't have to worry about saying somebody will say, hey, hey, Jesus Christ, he's over in the wilderness. He's over there. He's over. No, no, no. All eyes going to see him. He's coming just like he left. He, all eyes going to see him. He's coming on the clouds. And he's coming back for his church. And, and, and I want to be ready. Peter wants his church to be ready. That's why he said what he said in verses 3 through 11. And, and, and also why he was stirring them up again with the same thing he's already taught them, the same thing they, was al- they, they already knew and establishing. He says, I'm, I want you to be able to recall this after I die. I want you to be able to recall this because it's very important. Jesus Christ is coming again. I don't want you to be caught. And it said to you, you can't come in. No, uh-uh. When he comes, I want to go with him. How about you? I want to go with him, so I want to be ready. How is it that I can be ready to do what he said in verses 3 through 11? You want, you want to know. I want to be ready, so I, I want to practice this. I want to make my election and my calling sure. I want to do that. Now, it says here that not only is he coming again, not only had he already told them that before, so it's a principle doctrine, they already knew he was coming again. But also, the third thing is that it says we did not follow clever, cleverly devised tales, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And what is he talking about? We're eyewitnesses of his majesty. Let's, uh, let, let's look in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. Let's look at uh, chapter 17, verse 1. Let's look there. Now, it says here that six days after Jesus took with him Peter, so we're talking about Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. He was changed. And his face shone like the sun. That's bright. That's bright. And his garments became as white as light. So he was changed. He was changed right before their eyes. He was changed. He was not the same. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared with them, talking with him. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. 
if you wish, we will make three tabernacles here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground and were terrified. And Jesus came to them and touched them and said, Get up and do not be afraid. And lifting up their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. Now, when he says, uh, I witness of the account of his majesty, we're back in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 17 now. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. Speaking of the Father. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. So it says he received honor and glory from God when God said this. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. That experience we just read. So we have the prophetic word. Now we know that it speaks in the Old Testament of the coming of Jesus Christ, the second coming of Jesus Christ also. It says we have this prophetic word made more sure for which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Let's stop here. Let's go back just a little further, just one more verse, and say, now, if we're talking about his second coming, I want us to be sure that we understand that we are going to be ready because we are going to heed what Peter said. We are not just hearers of the word and not doers of of the word. Is that correct? We, are, we hear the word, but we want to do the word because doing the word is more important than hearing, but you can't do if you don't hear. Okay. Now, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So let's go to another verse. I want, I want to show you something that, that the, uh, the Lord showed me, uh, and I put it with this uh, this morning because it was it, 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 I was so excited. I was so excited. Oh, I was so excited. Let's look at, let's look at Matthew chapter 7. Let's go there. And in Matthew chapter 7, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a couple of verses. It starts in verse 21. And, and, and it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh. Oh. Well, we want to go. It says, but, so somebody's going. 
Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, is going, but some people say, Lord, Lord, is going to go. Who's going? But he who does the will of my Father who's in heaven will enter, enter the kingdom of heaven. What is God putting the emphasis on? Doing his will. And the rest of this, uh, up to 27, is talking about doing his will. But, but, that, but that, 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 that's, that's as good. But see, verse 22 says something. It says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, 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 did we not prophesy in your name? Is that doing the will of God? Did he say in, 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 in 1 Corinthians that uh, verse uh, chapter 13, he says that, you know, now by his faith, hope, and charity and love. And it says, but the greatest of these is love. But he says that, look, I want you all to desire spiritual things. But, but now I want you rather to desire, desire to prophesy. And so he says that's the word of God. Then it says here, and in your name, Lord, in your name, we cast out demons. Is that the will of God? Did Jesus cast out demons? Absolutely. And then does he want us when we going out ministering? Because uh, uh, he says that he wants us to uh, go to all nations and make disciples of all nations. And, and, uh, and he said he wants us to teach them those things he's taught us. But what does he want us to do? If somebody's demon-possessed, do he want us to cast them out, or does he not? Or do we don't say, hey, you got a demon in you. Ha, ha, ha. I'm going to leave you just like that. Because I read a scripture where it says that, oh, everybody said, you know, Lord, Lord, and I cast out demons in your name, and then he didn't let them in, so I'm not casting out any more demons. Is casting out demons the will of God? Absolutely. 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 He says, Jesus said, I do nothing except what the Father does. When I see him do, that's what I'm doing. If we see Jesus doing it, we need to do it, don't we? Listen to what it says here. It says that, in your name, perform many miracles. Woo! How many Christians do you know is doing many miracles? Just think about it now. But these are doing many miracles. They're casting out demons, they're prophesying, and they're, they're, they're doing many miracles. And many miracles could be raising the dead. That's a miracle, isn't it? Jesus raised the dead. Healing the sick. That's a miracle, isn't it? So they, they're doing all the, is that the will of God doing miracles? Absolutely. Well, he says that everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, not everyone is going to enter the kingdom of God, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So what is the deal? Either they are doing the will of God or they are not. What do you think? We said it was doing the will of God. Didn't we say that? So why did he say that then in the next verse? And then I will declare 
to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Lawlessness is without the law. That's what lawlessness is. You're practicing uh, without the law. Even though you have law, you're practicing as though you don't have the law, so you're practicing lawlessness. So you depart from me. Oh. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on a rock. And it goes on to explain about the rock is doing the will of God. That's what, that's what it's all talking about. The rest of these verses talking about the doing the will of God. I thought they were doing the will of God. That's what I thought. So I said, well, we have a disconnect, God. You're going to have to help me here. Because you said, those who are doing these, you're going to tell them they are practicing lawlessness. And I know that's not practicing lawlessness. Doing miracles, that's not practicing lawlessness. So what's the deal? But then there's another key thing in this. It says, I never knew you. Now, that should send a red flag over to you. If God never knew you, God knows all things because he's omniscient, isn't he? What does he not know? He knows every hair on our head, right? And every time one falls off, he knows it fell off, doesn't it? Every bird that falls, he knows it, doesn't he? What is, what is it that he does not know? Nothing. So what does he mean? I never knew you. I don't want him to say that about me. I never knew you. I want him to say, you know, hey, I know. I know him. And that's what you want him to say about you, isn't it? I know her. I know him. That's what you want him to say. How can we be assured of this? If we, if we read this, and here they are doing the will of the Father, and he says that depart from me, you workers of iniquity, you know, or, or in this King James, or, or you, price, you, you who practice lawlessness, New American Standard, and he says that I never knew you. I was, my, in my devotional time, uh, I was reading through the New Testament and studying it and everything, so I went through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I went through, you know, Acts and Romans and stuff like that. And I'm in 2 Corinthians now. But when I was in 1 Corinthians, he showed me something. I said, oh, oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, I see it, I see it, I see it, I see it. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. I want you to turn to it. Because it answered a question that has to do with his second coming. We want to be ready. Now, I'm just not throwing, you know, stuff out here, you know, just to be throwing it out here. I'm, I'm trying to add scripture on scripture here. Uh, in, in, in 1 Corinthians Chapter 8, verse 3. He showed me something else, but I'm not going to tell you that right now because it doesn't pertain to this. It pertains to another um, message some other time. It, it, it is so good, I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you because it's going to set some people free. A lot of people, matter of fact. It's going to set you free. Uh, don't you know that the Holy Spirit, he can show you things you've been reading for years and didn't understand and didn't even connect it to the thing. Okay, listen to what it says here 
in verse 3. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3 on the screen. It says, but, uh, forget about the but because we're not going back up there and talk about the other but. Why is the but there? It says that if anyone, if anyone, who's included in anyone? Everyone, okay? Everyone. So if anyone loves God, I want you. I want you to. You know, I don't care who you are. If anyone loves God, he is what known by God. Simple, plain, the truth. God doesn't lie. He says that if anyone loves me, anyone, I don't care who you are. I'm known. You're known by God. You're known by Him. So when you, you don't have to. You don't have to look up Greek words to find out in Matthew chapter 7 when it says that uh, I never knew you. So that, that knowing is an is a, is a intimate relationship with God. It's not, a, it's not just a knowing about him and things like that. It, this, is, this is made plain and simple. If anyone loves God, he is known by him. So how can we make sure... We are ready when he comes again. If he says that, hey, they were doing, they were prophesying, they were casting out demons, they were doing many miracles in his name, but he's going to say, I never knew you, then we already know that they must not have loved who? God. Because everyone who loved God, he's known by God. I said, oh. So I need to work on one thing, I don't have to worry about his second coming or nothing. I know he's going to say, I know Willie Taylor. And just in case there's more than one Willie Taylor, it is Willie Ray Taylor. Yeah. Born September the 30th, 1947. So, uh, so uh, it's not too many born that date. His name is Willie Ray Taylor. So I know he's going to say he knew me. Because I'm going to work on what he says here. If anyone loves God, I'm going to work on loving God. I'm going to work on loving God. And he already told me and told you, told all of us, if you love me, come on, keep my commandments. Not just the ones you like. Not just the ones that uh, woo, you know, call on them because they'll cast the demon out. Call on them. And they'll heal the sick. Call on them. And, and, you know, the big the big wigs, you know, call on them. They're doing some of the commandments. He says, and ah, keep my commandments. If you want to boil the commandments down to one, he has already done that in Galatians. He boiled it down to love your neighbor as yourself. Matter of fact, he said in, 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 in one of the Gospels, he says that one of, the, one of the people say, hey, which is the greatest? What did he say? Love God all your heart, mind, soul, strength. He says in the other one, just like, you know, just like it, you know, love your neighbor, love your neighbor uh, as you love yourself. But then he came with a new commandment, which is not a new commandment in John. And he says that I want you to love others as I have Love you. 
which is different, isn't it? This is new, but it's the same. How has he loved us? He loved us when we hated him. He loved us when, when we were yet sinners. He loved us when we were unforgiving to other people. He loved us, come on, didn't he? When we denied him, he loved us. And he says that, now I want you to do the same to others, just like I've done to you. Now that is, that's, that's not prophesying, that's not casting out demons, that's not uh, doing many miracles. It takes a lot of change in our heart by the Holy Spirit to love others as he has loved us. It says that, does he care about prophesying? Does he care about casting out demons? Does he care about miracles? Absolutely. Well, let me tell you. Without love, you can, you can have all the faith to move mountains. But if you don't have love, it profits you nothing. Right? I mean, that's, that's 1 Corinthians 13. Come on. So love is a top priority. And so love, we find out, is that's a chief command. That's a chief command. I don't care what you do. You can, you, can, you can lead a thousand people to the Lord every day. Every day. He can say, I never knew you. If you don't have love. Yeah. I said, ooh. I better start acting right then. Before people do me wrong. Right? Come on. Wow. I want to be ready on the second coming. Do you? Yes, we want to be ready. We want to be ready on the second coming. And let's go back to Peter, because that's where we were. I just thought I'd throw that in there, because that was exciting to me. I'm gonna tell you, when I when I when I, when I read that, I, I I shared it with Minerva, and I said, "Ooh, girl, let me tell you something. What God showed me." I want to share the other one, but I'm not going to share that one. But I'm going to tell you what. We're we going to be ready because we're going to practice the love of God. We're going to practice it. Now, it says here in verse 19, so we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. And we know that Revelation 22, 16, Jesus says, I am the what? Morning star. Yeah. And we know that like a lamp shining in a dark place, we know that in uh, Psalm 119, uh, 105, it says, my word is a lamp. Come on. 
and a light to my path. You know that. And he says in verse 20 and 21, But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. And so as we end this message today, I want to just stay right here just for a minute here. No prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. Sometimes we look at the scripture and we have on tinted glasses. And it has a tint to it that we want to, because, you know, if you put tint to things, some people, uh, you can you tint it what you like to be tinted to. And, and we read scripture like what we want it to say. Or like we believe that it's supposed to say. Or like our church uh, uh, practices it to say. And let me tell you, no scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So it's not just, well, Scripture was written by men, and men make mistakes. So no, 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 no. Uh, this Scripture is no mistakes in it because men were moved by the Holy Spirit. And they spoke from God. The Holy Spirit didn't make mistakes. And, 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 and don't you think Peter could write anything if the Holy Spirit didn't want him to write it? Mm-mm. Oh, you can forget that. You can forget that. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. And I said, okay, that's good. How can I make sure? Because, come on now, y- y'all, have been to, y'all have been to churches. Y'all have been to, you've been to many churches probably. And uh, and uh, churches have traditions, and sometimes the traditions are not the word of God all the time. Everything about this, everything they do is not the word of God. Come on. But if the, if if this is what how we grew up, this is how the pastor taught because this is what he learned in seminary. And so this is what he teaches. Or this is what his mentor like me uh, says. Because this is what the churches and impact churches do. If it's not the word of God, I don't care what's impact. I don't care what's Baptist. I don't care what's Catholic. I don't care what's Presbyterian. I don't care what's Pentecost. I don't care what's Charismatic. I don't care what's Church of Christ. If it's not the word of God, it is not the word of God. And, and you have to read the word of God. You have to study the word of God. And you have to have humility while you're doing it. Otherwise, you're going to come with an a interpretation that's your own. Or your churches, or what somebody told you. 
and I have to answer before God myself what I'm teaching because I know that when he called me, I have to put aside uh, when I first came, the church, the, the church doctrine was uh, word of faith. I had to put aside that the next pastor came in. It, it was, it was uh, some people call it Baptocosta. And, and uh, I had to put aside what impact churches said. I had to put aside what Grace Presbyterian, because uh, that's what it was called when, when, when I first came, uh, Grace Church of Cincinnati. I had to put aside what Jared Davis said. I had to put aside what Randall Thorne said. I had to put aside what Willie Taylor thought. I had to put aside what somebody told me. I had to put aside say, and I had to say, God, what do you say? Because my being before you on that day is big stuff, and I'm going to have to answer. You said, don't add nothing to it. Don't take nothing from it. They're not just revelations. This is, this is your word, so I don't want to do that. So I have to do three things. I have to, when I'm reading the scripture, I have to take my tinted glasses off. Forget about what impact churches say. Forget about what uh, somebody said. Forget about what the, uh, might be the important people in church want you to say. Forget about everything except God. I'm open. I, 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 I'm humble before you. I'm reading. I, I got my study material here. I want, I want to find out what you're saying. But most of all, God, if you don't speak to me through your Holy Spirit, I'm going to get it wrong. Help me, God. It has to be some humility. It has to be some humility. I've been there, and I've, said, I've been there. When you don't, you don't have much humility, you just say, "Hey, such and such and such said." Yeah. And see, I was first mentored by, you know, Sam Dorsey. Where's Sam anyway? What is he doing at home? Doesn't he know the scripture says that Jesus Christ on a Sabbath day he was in church. He was at the, he was in the synagogue. That was his manner. What is he doing at home? Oh, he was here? I know I thought I saw him. He left. He got mad at somebody and left. <laughs> no, it's, it's okay. But Sam was my, my mentor. But I can't stand before Christ and say, well, Sam Dawson said. Right? No. You can't stand before Christ and say, well, Willie Taylor said. I've already told you many times, and those of you who, who are new here, uh, don't you ever say that Willie Taylor said before God. Because I tell you, you be like the Berean Christians, you search the scriptures daily to see whether these things be so. You do that. That's why we go through the scripture. And that's why I tell you that you have to study and you have to go home and you have to do this thing. Uh, I'm not that. Now, now God has, has graced me to, be, to like, like to study the scripture. But you, 
You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. He's your teacher. And He will teach you if you go to Him with humility. And you say, well, you know, the, the, He said this right here, but, but you know, um, I don't believe in a second coming, Lord. I believe that uh, He came, you came, and that's it. You know, you, you know that's, that's it. We're going we're gonna to die, and that's it. Because that's why I believe, just believe it. We might come back as a turkey or something, you know, a tree or something, but that's it. Well, you can believe what you want to, but you better, you better go say, go, Holy Spirit, you, you got to tell me here, is there a second coming? Is there a second coming? Right? Yeah. That's how I want you to be. That's how I teach you to be. You know, don't look at me and try to pattern after me. I want to be to say, follow me as I follow Christ. But I know that I make mistakes. And I know that I'm not where I need to be. I thank God that I'm not where I used to be. But I'm headed to be more like Christ. That's my desire. That's all of our desire. So don't you try to put me on a pedestal. Don't you try to put somebody else on a pedestal. Uh, I don't care how great their church is. I don't care how many uh, CDs they got. I don't care how much yeah, how much TV they own? Uh, uh, nobody knows everything. Nobody. Okay? All of us fall short of the glory of God. All of us need to be in humility. We really do. And so I say that, come Lord Jesus. Come again because we are going to be ready. If, and, and you can be ready even if you are not ready at this exact minute. Because when you make up your mind, change your mind and say, God, I know I haven't been studying. I know I haven't been humble. I know I haven't been asking the Holy Spirit to leave me. But from this day on, uh, with, your, with your grace, with your help, I'm going to do that. Don't you know that, that you'll be ready? You'll be ready because you just changed your mind. And you say, well, I don't believe that. That's not scripture. Well, what, you know, what, what do you think about a person who's a thief who's hanging on a cross next to Jesus and, and, and he was picking at him just like the other one was and then he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hey, hey but usually you better stop picking at him because he, 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 he's an uh, innocent man. We need to be here and we should be here because uh, we're sinners, but he shouldn't be here. Hey, hey God, hey, would you, would you, you know, Bill, would you take me with you? He said, today. Didn't he say today? He didn't, he didn't say, well, look, when you get right, when you get right, you go home and you start reading the scripture. You start reading, you go to the synagogue, you start doing something you're supposed to do, and then I might take you with me. No, he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. If he can say that about him, and this man hadn't done nothing, nothing, zilch, zilch, then how, what is he going to do with us when we change our mind? All right? So I said, come, Lord Jesus Christ. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's stand. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net. 
or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.